0: up everybody welcome to episode 39 of the true crime podcast murder with my mother where I talk murder with my mother here I am As in you all you my glory know, in all her glory <laughs> and all her hungover glory
1: well I'm actually feeling quite blessed today because I do not feel hungover and She's I should blessed it's what <laughs> hashtag blessed god did <laughs> However, that has probably been one of the only times in my life that it's happened this way. Generally, I get ripped off, so I really deserve
0: it today. Well, you do. You've earned it. Yeah. So, earned obviously, it. you guys know mom started a new job. Yep. So, maybe it's just because you're conditioned now to waking up super early. Like yeah, your body's and
1: like- I think I'm pretty much running on total adrenaline every single minute of my workday. And <laughs> That I
0: feel super enjoyable. Yeah,
1: well, it'll get better, as they say. Uh, starting a new job is like one of the top five stressors mm. in life. So mm-hmm. I'm still here, and I actually feel
0: fucking great. <laughs> <laughs> I might have had
1: a mental you have a breakdown. Shot of s- t-
0: swig of your Titos, in the yeah. car. <laughs> Uncle Kyle. Shout out to Uncle Kyle for the yeah. Titos. So my brother came to into car.
1: town, uh, who I hadn't seen for I think a couple years. Well, I don't know either, but, um, and so when I picked him up, he was already hammered and I had to either join him or be annoyed. So you were both
0: (laughs) just kidding. Yeah. We love you. Just kidding. But no, we had a great
1: time and I chose the rosé against my better judgment, but apparently my judgment was fine because I feel fucking awesome.
0: Hey, there you go. Well, can you believe it's episode 39 today? I cannot believe it. (laughs) Um, I can't either. And I just, I don't know. I feel like once we start recording more often, it will be like, oh my God, we're on episode 50. And like, we have to choose episode 40, which we've had a lot, a lot of people write in. And obviously we kind of know what direction we're going to go in with that. But at the same time. We uh, haven't made our final decision yet. So if you have
1: any please. Yeah, let us know. Or things to give us if yeah. you want yours. Yeah, if you guys have
0: any info that you or want. Bribes. <laughs> or bribes. Or bribes. <laughs> or yeah, we always take bribes. You guys know that you guys can support us on Patreon for as little as two dollars a month at Murder With yep. My Mother podcast. And then I won't even need to have my new job. <laughs> no, we'll just be working <laughs> doing the podcast. And yeah. Yeah. So like always, we do start with some current events, kind of, I mean, are they like really current events or are they kind of like Murders that have happened around us. Yeah, we I we mean, kind of
1: crimes them. and things that have happened that are seem to be escalating like Super. crazy.
0: Yeah, so touching on that first, uh, as we've said 900 times, at least 39 times we've told you guys <laughs> that we live in Vancouver or we live in a suburb of Vancouver, but um, there have been a lot of escalating violent attacks in the city of Vancouver, and they've been random, which is actually really rare. Like rare and yeah. scary, yeah. super scary. So obviously, there's stuff that's happening. There was a couple axe attacks, machete attacks, just some crazy shit. So like we always say, make sure you guys are aware, aware, of your surroundings. aware, and you guys are awake and aware. <laughs> I <don't know>. Probably <laughs> awake if you're outside. Not maybe not. Maybe not. Maybe not. But anyway, so you guys just be vigilant you know make sure you guys are being aware because they are like i saw one video on the news and obviously i saw it on the internet first because everything gets on the internet first but a DoorDash driver i believe he was a new i think he was a refugee actually so fleeing a war-torn country
1: i think you're going somewhere safe
0: yeah and he was a doing some kind of um I don't know if I'm allowed to say the company, so I'll just say like a food delivery driver. And you see this guy, like he's just unlocking his bike or something. And a random man comes up and just stabs him in the neck with a machete. And like, oh, bystanders are saying that it's like, yeah, it's just, it was obviously very traumatic to for that to happen to you, but also to witness, I'm sure. Like, there was some, uh, just some crazy shit's been happening. I don't know what's and going on. And I don't on. know, like, what's up everybody no.
1: like if you feel like so write in and let mom know what's <laughs> yeah, up because like, if you feel like doing anything like that lately maybe get some help first
0: well i'm assuming that most of it's probably like we know mental health right yeah. everyone's going through I'm it i'm sure the last couple years have been really hard for people so um just don't fucking stab anybody don't don't <laughs> assault people don't murder anyone
1: we no have rape? enough
0: of the, no don't rape just all the simple rules of life we are probably try to apply those ones first. You know, be yeah. courteous. Don't murder anyone. Even
1: be an asshole if you want to. Just keep your
0: hands huge to your asshole. fucking self. Exactly. Um, another thing that happened, um, violent attacks. These ones were, I believe, we don't know too much about them, so I'm not going to get super, super into it. But there were some attacks um, perpetrated by what they believed to be two brothers. And I think that some of the victims were, it was domestic Um, I want to say in-laws, um, but the other, uh, basically you don't know anything. I don't, (laughs) but I kind of do do. obviously because, you know, when we hear anything like that, I'm instantly like, you know, like looking it up, trying to see what's going on. That's just how my brain works. So, um, you're welcome. Yes. Thank you for that. Um, but it's, I know that these ones were, some of them were random also. So it's like, you know, basically this man, I think killed his in-laws a bunch of people involved. I think that there were 13 people, uh, no, 18 people attacked and 10 of them have have died.
1: And this was in a province uh, of Saskatchewan.
0: Yeah, it was in James Smith Cree Nation. um, And that is in Saskatchewan. And so they went on a stabbing rampage in which 10 people died, 18 others were injured. So that's 28 people in total attacked and it was crazy too like much like
1: the thing that happened here but on a grander scale where um people were being notified getting emergency mm-hmm. uh, notifications on their phone this time they didn't know where the people that were perpetrating the attacks were so they actually had three provinces on the lookout and being notified on phones to look out for these two men that were attacking people yeah because so it turned random after yeah
0: it turned random which obviously in the beginning was probably worrisome e- enough because it was killing close members of your i believe it's his wife's family which yeah. i mean okay i that is scary enough but then to uh, yeah attack to just start like random yeah, just people. start stabbing people so one of the suspects Damian sanderson was later found dead and i read that it was not self-inflicted so i don't know if his brother miles killed, killed him, him also
1: it's like killing people clearly as well
0: he, yeah but i think that he clearly was going through a mental health crisis i know that yeah. he was on probation he just got out for actually attacking that same relative, previously he was actually tar- I think he was charged with uh, attempted murder. Yeah, but you know Canada, um, the good old Canadian justice system. He yeah. was out, and I know his uh, probation officer couldn't get a hold of him. Yeah, was he just had failed to check in with his probation yeah. officer, and then he did a lot worse. After yeah, that. so he was actually arrested after a I think someone he was in a car and it was like a like a chase like a chase but a ram i think uh, you know and yeah. then he actually died in custody so they're investigating that i mean i don't know if they're gonna dive too deep into it because obviously uh well died, they'll probably they
1: probably will have an independent investigation yeah, exactly
0: but, yeah, so something else uh, that we touched on was last time, I think. Was it last it episode was last or the time, the, yeah. yeah. episode before. Basically, um, remember we talked about Noelle Osoup, who was a 14-year-old Indigenous girl who went missing. She ran away from her group home. Um, yeah, she was the
1: child of, I think, people with substance yes. issues and mm-hmm. had grown up with a pretty unstable Life. environment and she, yeah. yeah and
0: that had trauma a lot yep. of trauma
1: so she left and no one even looked for her. someone
0: notified her mother which the other the rest of the family I was watching some interviews thought that was crazy because the mother I don't think had been involved with her for some time I'm not again 100% sure on specifics but um, it wasn't investigated like it should have been and sadly months after she went missing she was found deceased in it was a year yeah, I think it was close to a year also. Yeah. Um, but remember, we talked about she went missing and she was found after someone else who lived in the in the SIR or SOR. What is it called? SRO. SRO. What is Single Resident for? Occupancy. Okay, well, there was a lot of people living in this singu- singular occupancy place. Yeah, on the downtown east side. Yes, so we've learned new information that she was, because like we talked about last time, there was a body discovered in this SRO and then... He was cleared out of there. But then, months later, because of a cleaning team, just cleaning the SRL, probably to rent it out again. Probably, yeah. They found two deceased women in there. At the time, both of them obviously were not identified because of the decomposition. Decomp, yeah. But they found out that it was Noello Soup. And another, later, they actually identified the other woman in there as um, her name was. Elma and Nan. So the man that they were actually found, like like I said, it's kind of confusing. The man whose because house it think, was. Yes, the man whose room it was, he was actually wanted on a Canada-wide warrant for drugging and sexually assaulting a, another woman. So the two victims, were, their remains were ultimately only discovered because they were probably trying to rent that room out again.
1: Well, and they were there, obviously, for longer than he was there. So what was the
0: investigation like? Well, no, that's why now there's actually an investigation into the into the lack of investigation. So we will keep you guys posted on any of that. Um, I'm trying to rack my brain. Anything else we've talked about? And, you know, a lot of you guys write in and and ask to discuss details on cases. Things like the Trina Hunt case. We don't have anything because there has not been any movement. Um, We talked about the arrest of Lion. Um, Lion cunt. (laughs) Sorry. I have to say it. Sorry, yeah. Ian Hunt, the husband, who everyone—this <laughs> man is innocent, which he's not. We're gonna owe him the biggest apology, <laughs> 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 but we don't. Well, you're but not we don't. Lying, we know. We, we know. So, anyway, nothing. No movement on that. We know that the rest was probably some kind of tactical thing. His lawyer shut that shit down. Obviously, he's got a, a good lawyer, right? So, and it's—it is kind of crazy that uh, a lot of—I'm not
1: sure if any of you are watching, but. Uh, there, there's a couple Facebook groups like we've touched on before. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> and people, ha- people follow him around. Like people oh, run yeah. into him at the dollar store. Oh, yeah, because they think his
0: vehicle. Wh- what are you doing out living your best life? Yeah. When, and you've gotten away with this. It's a total miscarriage of justice. Yeah. And then you see also people posting in the group like you know this family member of mine was murdered by her husband, and it took yeah. them 20 years to bring him to justice. We have a family member of ours that was, well, it's a in-law family, but was suspectedly murdered by her well, husband. Well, and it
1: went, like, all the way... Well, to
0: Mr. Big Sting. To the Mr.
1: Big Sting, which I'm sure most of you are familiar with. Yeah. And then it was ruled that the husband that everyone knew in the family, like, this man had been in our family for years and years and years, helped us catch frogs as kids. We all thought he was really fun. And then he...
0: He pretty her. much killed his wife, yeah. and then
1: he—they didn't have anything on him, so they hired the Mister Big Sting, mm-hmm. and then he got off on it. And then yeah. everyone still had to see him. Same thing out in the community.
0: Yeah, and Uncle I think Uncle
1: Ken, there he is. Like, <sighs> well, you know? I
0: also think that it's not that rare, because no. you have to think like we've talked about. Also, when you are living in a home with somebody, and you also are, you know, you cohabitate what evidence unless you have a horrible like you're stabbed or you know there's there's blood evidence there's spatter there's something for people to find this is what if you know what if it was asphyxia or strangulation or right what are they going to find her hair no because if it was me (laughs) you live uh, in the house so yeah your dna is like all over that i could literally make a wig just going like this for my carpet like just dragging my fingers so do you know what i mean it's like who knows what kind of evidence they could find? Plus, he was the manager of a cleaning company. Yeah. So there's so many layers He's to the this. Vice president of the uh, yeah. cleaning company. It super, super. Yeah. <laughs> there's a couple, a couple of things I'm thinking. Anywho, hopefully that anyway. breaks
1: one day because that is definitely a miscarriage of justice.
0: Yeah. So 155. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So today, episode 39. Is was my choice, Danica's choice, and she's gonna pretty much run the show. It. Run the show today. <laughs> well, no. So my choice this week. I mean, okay, it spoke to you really. It like did right yeah. out of the blue. It always has though, yeah, because yeah. it's been yeah. just we have a lot of weird connections to it too. Just you guys will see. We'll get into it. But isn't it weird how we're always connected to these cases? Well, like a lot of the time. I think when your life. Not to say my life revolves around true crime, but it's like... (laughs) You were raised in it, yo. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) And again, thank you. You're welcome. Um, So today's case, a couple of you guys have written in. It's been pretty... Like, you guys want to hear it. Uh, And it it is... There's layers. There's layers. Like, every case. But today we're actually going to talk about one murder, for sure murder, and the other is a suspected murder. But they were both perpetrated believed to be perpetrated by the same person
1: on two different continents.
0: On two different continents and neither one of them is Canada. So we are going a little further away this time and the case actually starts in South America. Oh, so. your roots. My roots, but I've never been there, but the best is both my children are more Chilean than me. So the best is that my whole family's Chilean and I'm not. <laughs> that is the best. <laughs> You're the only white part of them. Yeah. So but um, today we will be talking about the murder of Stephanie Flores and the suspected murder and disappearance of Natalie Holloway. So, like I said, both of them were are believed to be perpetrated by the same person who the second time was a man, but the first time he was only a teenager. So it yes. kind of followed him around and it really marked his life, I think, uh, obviously. Yeah. So make sure, again, before we get into the episode, you guys like Follow, subscribe, Murder With My Mother podcast. So anyway, we will hop right into the episode. Stephanie Tatiana Flores Ramirez, who was born on July 22nd, 1988, was a 21-year-old who was in her third year of business studies at the University of Lima. When she wasn't studying, she was also an avid poker player, and she was very well known as a close member of the popular and prominent Flores family.
1: I think her dad, yeah, like her whole family was pretty well-known and well-regarded.
0: Yeah, so Ricardo Flores, who was Stephanie's father, was a vice presidential and presidential candidate who himself was more actually well-known as a popular uh, race car driver. So he actually was the former president of the Peruvian Automobile Club and the winner of the Caminos del Inca rally in 1991. Look at you with your Spanish
1: accent. It's
0: not just... (laughs) It's not just accents. So her four brothers actually were really well-known, too. So she was the only girl out of, like, her and her four brothers. And the
1: family was super close. Super close. Super. Yeah,
0: and her brothers actually had a really successful event company that they ran. Oh, I, I know. know. <laughs> That's a little triggering. <laughs> Carlos was <laughs> looking up bouncy castles yesterday for Kiana's first birthday, and I was like, Ugh. like just yeah. shuddering. Like, there's been a couple ties to that guy lately, too. So she was said to be very respectful and polite. And she was also said to be really close with her family, who knew her to be really punctual, and she was always... She was basically the opposite of what I was as a teenager. She would let her father know where she was, what she was doing, and she still lived at home. So when she never came home on the morning of May 30th, it was really out of character, and her father and her older brother, Enrique, along with his wife, were instantly worried... And after hours of not being able to get a hold of Stephanie, they feared the worst and they contacted the police. So because the family was really well known, they actually, at first, they assumed that she had been taken in like a ransom situation.
1: And that's the thing. I mean, I lived in Chile for a time when I ran away from home when I was 16. (laughs) And everything is a lot different. Like there's a lot of corruption um, well there
0: was at that time I'm not saying mm-hmm. there still is but well apparently there is in y- South America like every yeah. time Abuelita comes home from Abuelita yeah that's how I said it Abuelita every time she comes home from Chile she literally is like oh my country they took my country and made it a crime Like, yeah. like
1: and and like for instance she says that in Spanish you way. could <laughs> bribe the police with a case of beer if you happened to To get pulled over, to get put in jail. Not that I would know, but anyway. (laughs) Oh yeah, I've heard that story. Yeah, you you could pretty much bribe anyone, and if you were wealthy, you had you have to basically live in certain areas with big gates around your house and. Uh, a lot of people have security. A lot of people have uh, dogs that they definitely don't let in the house because they're guard dogs and they're mean. And
0: well, and they just don't like dogs <laughs> I
1: yeah. Apparently, well, some people do, but like some dogs are just there to, to be, protect you, to be vicious guard like dogs.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, after not hearing from anybody in a for a ransom, they were kind of like, uh, okay, so that's not what's going on. And if it has, then they're taking their sweet time. Yeah. And they don't take their time with money over there. No. So I think also, again, knowing the culture, they are from there, they know, okay, oh my God, you have to rule it out, right? Yeah. So after piecing together Stephanie's last steps in the final hours she was seen, the police and her family track her last steps to an Atlantic City casino in Lima, where she was actually attending a prestigious Texas Hold'em tournament which was part of the 2010 Latin American Poker Tour. So she was a really good poker player. Isn't that so cool? <clears throat> it I is Like cool. for a young woman to be doing that. I love Super that. Super cool. I, I mean, if I could play card, I can play roulette. <laughs> That's only because I'm like, I'll do 14 red for $5. <laughs> and then as soon as my 20 bucks is gone, I'm out of there. I win actually quite a bit on roulette. So do I, but it's not It's obviously the
1: odds are 37 to 1 that you're going to fucking lose. So
0: well, those aren't too bad. Well, they are actually. <laughs> I mean that. Hey, I've heard worse. Let's yeah. just say that. So they there they saw her taking a seat at one of the tables. Stephanie sat and had great luck in her gambling that night. She actually won over ten thousand dollars. In maybe the video, lucky. yeah, no, I literally, I literally bring forty dollars to the casino. <laughs> like maybe okay. she started with forty bucks. I don't <laughs> think so, but maybe. Hey, here's you know. So they saw her. In the video, she comes up to the table, um, talks to a guy that's already sitting at the table, probably, I would assume. They don't have audio, right? So they have to just kind of piece together what they think. Is this spot taken? Is anyone playing here? And she sat down. And then for hours, she's sitting there playing and winning, right?
1: With the same guy sitting beside her. With the, the, the same
0: time. guy, yeah. So as we all know, casinos have kind of the reputation to have like kind of seedy characters, you know, questionable People that are using their facilities sometimes, not always. Sorry to all the gamblers out there, uh, the avid gamblers. Um, but I they gotta get s- back into that. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if that's maybe you should just like maybe you know save yeah. up for a bit. And, yeah. You know, just hoard your money. That's what I'm gonna do. So in the video, they s- also see Stephanie get up at the end of the game and leave with this man. Oh. So when Stephanie had been missing for 3 days the casino provided the police with the name of the man after they ran his player card the name of the man sitting next to her was Joren Vandersloot oh. so police obviously kind of put two and two together if they're being they're being seen leaving together you know they can track. It's the, the last video. person that saw her, so yes, that's a very important exact part of any. Maybe case. he didn't do anything. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe Joran's innocent. <laughs> Probably fucking not. Anyway, so police tracked down the location of Joran's hotel room when uh, and he was registered in room three hundred nine at the Hotel Tac in the Miraflores district of Lima. He had prepaid for two weeks when he checked in four days earlier. Sadly, on June second, upon entering his hotel room a hotel employee sent to do a check of the room made the horrible discovery of Stephanie's lifeless body. There, under a blanket, Stephanie's horribly beaten body was dead on the ground. She had visible severe head trauma that caused a cerebral hemorrhage. She also had a broken neck and a cranial fracture. There were also signs of asphyxiation. A tennis racket was also found and believed to be one of the murder weapons. So clearly, we've discussed it. was it. That was overkill, like... Oh, overkill as fuck. I don't know if that yeah. makes sense. But it was super, super, super overkill. It was clearly a crime of passion. We talk about that all the time. Something really... Crime of passions usually are something where someone does it with their hands and uh, a lot of times, like stabbing. Like that's how they kind of know most of the time. If somebody is stabbed over a certain amount of times, it's usually somebody that they're familiar with. Yeah, someone that like has a lot invested. Well, because nobody can piss you off as much, usually as much as somebody that you're in close, that you're close to, right? So (sighs) that gives me the shivers. It does. It does. It's but, yeah, this guy obviously wasn't close with her. They didn't know each they other. They just from, met. Yes, but something clearly, you know, and once set we get into off. the rest of the case, I think it's pretty easy to see that what set him off, you know. Yeah. So um, the sister-in-law of Stephanie, like the, Enrique's wife, who we discussed earlier, she was given this man's name. And at this time, they don't know about the discovery of the body. But they're giving her the name of Joran, Van der Sloop. And, I mean, at this time it was 2010. So she, what do you do in 2010? You punch someone's name into Google. What do you do when you're going to go on a date with somebody? You punch their name into Google. I don't know if people do that. I do that. And Stephanie's sister-in-law does that. I take it one step further and Stalk up. their whole no. family. <laughs> no. <laughs> Just
1: kidding. That as well. But I also go on the CSO and check. Oh. Yeah.
0: One time, I found my grandma on there. I don't know <laughs> how to say that my grandma does not speak English.
1: Don't don't even. Like, I'm not yeah. gonna.
0: Yeah. Anyway, so <laughs> <laughs> no one will know what grandma it is now.
1: If you don't know what the CSO is, it's don't like tell court
0: records. <laughs> Just don't tell. Yeah. Just don't tell, because you know Miko's listening to this. Yeah. So <laughs> 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 anyway, Yoren, when he when she googled his name, the stuff that came up was crazy. So yourn now, obviously, is this mystery man in this case, but he wasn't a mystery to anybody because anyone that knew him or knew his name or watched any kind of Dateline, Nancy Grace, uh The news, even. Like, it was
1: all over mainstream everywhere. news for so long.
0: Yes, yeah. then everybody knew. Because you know what? This wasn't the first girl that he met at a casino to never be seen alive again. And, in fact, really creepy, five years to the exact day... So the exact day, this was May 30th. It gives me goosebumps. Was the day that Yorin became and remained the prime suspect in the disappearance and suspected murder of Alabama teen Natalie Holloway, whose body has still not been found to this day. 2022. In Aruba. In Aruba. Yeah. So Natalie's disappearance. Mom, do you want to read some of it? Or do you? No, you can just keep going. You're doing a great job. Natalie Holloway was born on October 21st, 1986. The 18 year old recent graduate grew up in the Birmingham, Alabama suburb of Mountain Brook. So it looks to me that Mountain Brook was kind of a bougie, very yeah. church going, you know, like they were very, very well off. Like
1: yeah. they had nice cars, mm-hmm. the family was pretty stereotypically like perfect. Mm-hmm. It was her mom's second marriage. She seemed to have lots of friends.
0: Yeah, and she apparently was actually very, um, like, she was a a dancer, so she was in, like, this dance group. But she didn't, she was said that she she didn't party ever. Um, Yeah, she
1: she was going to be a doctor.
0: Yeah, she was going to go to med school. She was actually going on a full ride scholarship, full academic scholarship. Um, But she was said to be kind of naive in the sense of she didn't have a whole lot of, of course, she just turned 18, you know? She didn't have a whole lot of life experience especially with partying and alcohol and stuff like that yeah so she was the oldest child of dave and beth holloway who divorced in 1993 and she had a younger brother named matthew so like i said she was very the church was a very big part she of was her wholesome, life like very yeah, wholesome she was and even just videos you see of her it's like she's such a sweet girl like her forgot what her her nickname, her nickname
1: was Hootie hoo Hootie Holloway. Hootie. There you
0: go. And she even was like, Hootie Hootie. You know, yeah. she she literally. <laughs> That's was,
1: that video, if you look it up, like, she's like, who are we talking to? Yeah. And she says, Hootie Hootie. Yeah. yeah. So, it was really she, cute. It,
0: yeah, she was. And her family, it, it actually seemed that, I mean, obviously we see what we see. But now, given the circumstances, but the, the mom and the dad had been divorced and both remarried when the kids were pretty young. Yeah. So they had a pretty good unit. Um, the dad said that the last time he saw her was the night of her graduation and he didn't even want to,
1: he, they were going on a graduation trip and he didn't even want her to go.
0: No, he gave her the check. I think that night, that was the last
1: thing he ever did. And the last time he saw her was after that night of her graduation, he said, you know, I'm against you going on this trip. When I graduated, we just basically yeah. went out for dinner, but for here's the check for you to go on the trip. Yeah,
0: and so the thing is, in on May 24th, that's when the... Because this had been planned for months, yeah. but she, like I said, she had asked her parents, can I have money? So Aruba is a island, I'll touch on that, in the Caribbean. And the thing about that island is they actually, their drinking age was 18, Maybe it was 14 or 15. (laughs) Uh, Actually, how old was I when we went there?
1: 16? So, yeah, this is the connection. Are we going into the connection? Not yet. Okay. Well, we
0: can. We can. But let me just get into Aruba first. Okay. So, May 24th, 2005, Natalie goes on a trip with 125 of her graduating classmates to Aruba. There was like seven, I think, um, like Oh, there was four.
1: Four chaperones.
0: Oh, that's And there was no checks
1: done on anything. But you have to think, they were all... They were really all of age there. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah. And fuck yeah, Aruba's fun. <laughs> yeah,
0: <Ruva> is really <laughs> fun. Except for when you spend the whole time calling your boyfriend. But you were blackout drunk, so you don't even... Blackout drunk. drunk. Because, yeah. So, because you were 15, but so I why got, not? What, like, wasn't it wasn't like a $1,500 phone bill or something? Yeah, yeah, it was, yeah. And I had to lie and say the phone just kept calling him. It's out oh, of the night. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what oh the my fuck? God, I'm so disappointed. <laughs> You're fucking grounded. <laughs> I, I lied about everything and I could get in trouble for. It. What do you even mean?
1: I believed you on that one. I stuck up with oh, you.
0: God, you uh, gotta learn your lesson, Christina. <laughs> anyway, no, now totally. Like if I said something to you, like it's dead ass. Like <laughs> Fuck you. I don't believe shit you say. <laughs> anyway. So, like I said. Um, it was a beautiful island, and it was even more beautiful to a graduating class because the drinking age was eighteen. And you have to think, by the time you graduate, and everyone they don't is 18. care there how old you are. Oh, they don't give a fuck because, like I said, <laughs> I was blackout drunk and I was sixteen. I think when we were there, well, I was y- yeah. yeah, 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 because I was just dating RB. Were you sixteen, RB? Just kidding. Yeah, um, <laughs> <laughs> just kidding. Yeah, I was sixteen. Um, but anyway. I think
1: that I acted like I was sixteen the whole time we were there. Yeah. I had a great She had okay. a great time. I barely remember it also. Uh,
0: yeah. So, um, officially, the the country of Aruba is actually a constituent country of the Kingdom of the Netherlands, which was really confusing to me because I had no idea about Aruba and thought everyone maybe spoke Spanish, so I thought <laughs> I could probably get by, but nobody, people did speak Spanish. So, people there speak, um, it's called Papiamento, which I believe is kind of like a... It's like a mixture. Yeah. It's like a, it's it's like a native language. Yeah, before but it's the a Dutch mixture of a bunch of different
1: ones. And yeah. like, I could, I do speak fluent Spanish and mm-hmm. I could understand, I could understand some stuff and then some stuff just appeared to be English. And then yeah. but it was like, it was a, it was a very cool culture. It
0: was super cool. And so they speak Papiamento, Dutch, French, and Spanish. And most Arubans actually speak at least four languages. Yeah. And there's a lot of Americans there. And
1: sidebar. You can actually go and do med school in Aruba in half of the time yeah. that it takes to do it anywhere else and live in paradise, but you probably don't have any fucking time to do anything cool. But you're in med school, yeah, and Alex it's really expensive. I tell him, like, you want to go? I'll be your caregiver. Like, I don't know, <laughs> just yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's
0: also 23 years old, yeah, he probably whatever. doesn't need a caregiver, but he probably does. Maybe he needs two caregivers, maybe he needs me to come too. Yep. So, you come with a lot of baggage, so. AKA my children yeah yeah well true Aruba is only 19.6 19.6 miles long and six miles across and there's only a hundred thousand people there so anyway basically on the 30th so she was there on the 26th on the 30th she was supposed to come home but her mom received a call saying that she didn't show up for her flight so instantly they're panicking instantly Obviously, they know something's wrong. Like we touched on, she was very...
1: Yeah, like super, super, super innocent and mm-hmm. like
0: now she's not on the plane. And all her stuff's still in her hotel room. Yeah. Wow. So she obviously didn't come back. So her mom right away flew to Aruba because... And her dad and, and a couple other parents because they were like obviously going to be there for the mom and That's so dad. awesome. It really? is. Yeah. Horrible situation to be in. But if you got good friends, I mean, everything makes... That makes everything a little bit better. So um, when they got there, the police said to her, ah, this happens all the time. She'll probably just show up. Yeah. And they were like, no, we know her. She wouldn't do this. Very out of character. So they actually found footage of her in a casino at the hotel she was staying in. She was staying at the Holiday Inn, the resort there. So we went to that casino also. Only to look for Natalie. Because like I said, this whole case was everywhere. Pretty much until... um, until Hurricane Katrina kind of took over, yep. obviously, because then that was everywhere. Um, it was everywhere.
1: And so how, what was the time frame? Because I don't remember, like we from the time.
0: 2008. And this all went down. 2005. Okay. So, so she, it there still, was still was. missing was. posters of her. Remember when we there were There was, out? yeah. So like I said, there they found footage of her in a casino and at the table, lo and behold, dun, was Joran Van Der Sloot. So he was known on the island to be kind of like a party boy. And he was only 17 years old. And he was known to actually frequent the casinos, which I don't know how old. Maybe they don't have a gambling age. It's 18. Because when we went there, your stepsister at the time,
1: God rest her soul. (laughs) (laughs) She's still alive, but I've never been a fan. Anyway. She was allowed to gamble, but you guys
0: were not. Mm, okay. but I'm sure if you did, it probably wouldn't. they probably wouldn't have <laughs> noticed.. <laughs> no. And anyway, so Jorin van der Sloot was born in Arnhem in the Netherlands. and on August uh, he was born on August 6, 1987. We won't go into too much detail about him. he's a piece of shit. but he asshole. is one of three sons born to, uh, to Paulus van der Sloot and Anita van der Sloot Hugen. So his dad, this kind of comes up. His dad is a lawyer who at the time of Natalie's disappearance was actually, um, he was training to be the judge for the island. And it just so happens that his best friend and Joran's godfather was the chief of police in Aruba. Interesting. Yeah, that also obviously kind of pops its head back in later. So his family moved from Arnhem to Aruba, and he was actually apparently an honor student at the International School of Aruba which and
1: he was a baby so he he was like pretty young when they moved there so he yeah. grew up as like a
0: in Aruba as, yeah, as he an, was an a islander local basically yeah. right so VanderSlee was also a soccer star and a tennis athlete which obviously we talked about a tennis racket earlier and his mom actually said that he had a problem with lying and a tendency to sneak out of the house at night and go to the casino.
1: Well, even when you saw a video of him when he was 15 years old at his birthday party,
0: just like he was like dancing girls. with like
1: 15 <laughs> different girls <laughs> and like macking the moves on them. and like Yeah, he, he was
0: w- actually known around the island, like I said, as a party boy, but he was known to target American tourists. And there was some talks, whispers, I think it was pretty loud, that uh, I think everyone on the island... Um, this was around the time GHB kind of was, like, really rearing itself to be, like, a. It like a watch problem. your drinks. Watch your drinks. Yeah. Make sure you don't put your drinks down. I right? still let people buy me drinks. <laughs> well, mom clearly didn't heed the warnings of that. Maybe after this episode, you will not let people buy you drinks. Well, I'm old now. It doesn't matter. No one's going to hey. be even trying to put GHB in my drink at this point. Some but people maybe. do give GHB yeah. to themselves, like, yeah. because it's zero calories. A lot of bodybuilders do GHB. Yeah. Um... Because again, there's zero calories in it, but scares the shit out of me because it's a very fine line. I don't know if you've ever seen anyone g hole. I haven't seen anyone g hole (sighs) before. Me neither. Um, But yeah, (laughs) that sounds like another fucking lie. (laughs) Honestly, I'm surprised that because mostly I've told you everything I lied about, but that one I didn't. I didn't think to uh, to say. anyway, the last sighting of Natalie the night she disappeared. Oh, wait, sorry, Joran was drugging girls and taking advantage of them. Yeah. Apparently, it was him and a bunch of friends. And someone even was talking about them filming girls against Aww. their will when they were drunk. And Because when you're on G, I think you are not... Because you could literally... It's like you're drunk, I think. And you... Because I really haven't done it. Um, but you... I think someone did put some in my drink one time. Cause I also apparently don't heed the warnings, but that's when I was 14 in a nightclub. I probably shouldn't have been there anyway. Um, so... <laughs> Um, those whispers, obviously right away, the parents, he was spotted, the last person spotted the, a girl in the class said that she had seen Natalie after they went to Carlos and Charlie's and nobody actually saw them together inside, but they saw her get in a car with him and two other guys who are the Kalpo brothers, um, Satish and Deepak. Deepak. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so they went to Yorin's house. They got the parents. The parents went to Yorin's house. From Alabama, just showed up at Yorin's house. Yeah, and apparently, like, because there's video of Yoren. like, they shouldn't have acted that way at my house. But they said that the dad was very, because now we have to think. The press is involved. There's a missing, the missing white woman effect we know is a thing, right? We know, especially at that time, I mean, not to just categorize her as a white woman, but we know that there's a million other women missing of like women of color and it does not get the same uh, what attention it doesn't get the same attention at all but it, it doesn't get, get the, the same, same conviction from people it doesn't no. get the same and it's really sad it is so yeah so like i said uh the parents went there and they were pissed and the mom said that the dad Paulus, who was the the judge was very sweaty very like just yes please come in you know you could tell like she could read kind of read his energy, and it was, like, guilty. That's what she said. Obviously, she's going to be in a place to really be suspicious of everybody because her daughter is missing. So the thing is with Joran is he changes his story a lot. And even his own mom said that he was a fucking liar. So, but Well, I just said you were one. (laughs) Okay, well, that's only (laughs) because you just found out that I totally did lie to you. But I was also 16, and I was in big trouble because – probably shouldn't call your boyfriend in Canada. The whole, literally, we're probably on the phone for six hours every (sighs) night. You owe me so much money. I don't think you paid for it. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, Rick. That's the only thing I'll ever thank you for. So pretty much um, 18 days after. So the boys said, oh, no, we dropped her off with a um, security guard at the hotel. And that's the last time we saw her. So they checked into that. Not no true. footage. No footage of them dropping her off at the hotel. He totally denied it. 18 days later. So when she was missing for three days, actually, um, they searched the sand dunes that were there. The whole island came together. They gave people the day off work. Yeah, to everyone look for on her. the island. Yeah. They gave them the day off work to look for her. So, um, yeah. So 18 days later, that's when they took in Joran and the brothers for questioning. They arrested them. Um, there's a lot of scrutiny towards the Aruban police from the media because they were like, what the fuck? They had so much time to, especially Dr. Phil. I don't know if you saw that episode of Dr. I Phil didn't. being like, boycott Aruba. Like, don't go there. Yeah. Like, he was like, don't go there. So the Arubans were like, fuck you guys. They all
1: turned, and all of the whole country turned you, on Beth, Beth, like Beth were, Holloway. Yeah, yeah. They
0: were like, she had to leave. Yeah. Didn't she? she had to leave. I mean, she still obviously goes back, but. Um, but yeah, so when they first questioned the Campbell brothers, they said that they actually went to the California Lighthouse, which is near Arashi Beach, which we went to, um, and that they they went shark watching, and then they dropped her off at the hotel. Not true. Um, then they said that they um, were making out, making out him and. Natalie left. The brothers drove away and she went to the beach. They went to the beach and he was actually really vivid. um, Yeah. He was telling the mom like a bunch of graphic stuff. I don't know what, because obviously she's not going to repeat it, but basically that a lot of graphic stuff. He was
1: calling her out her name. (laughs) He was. He was calling her out her name. Yeah.
0: He was saying. He was like saying
1: shitty stuff about her.
0: Yeah. But then later, again, changing his story, a very Yoran thing to do. Oh no, we didn't even have sex. She just I don't I don't know what happened. So then he was released after she was missing for 96 days. So in September of 2005, he was released due to lack of evidence. And then in 2005, September, he told them that they didn't have sex, but he admitted that they initially lied to the authorities. And he just said that they dropped her off. And um, she asked to be left alone at the beach. So he He just left left her her there. Um, in April of two thousand seven, so again, there's all this time going, and he kind of I remember this because you'd watch, and then Nancy Grace would pop up with Yor and you know, like the twins and Yor and Bandaslu. I wonder, was he was he living there when we went there? Probably, oh my probably, God. Um, but he was. Alive. I don't know though because I think he went to, uh, to school in Europe, and then he was like in yeah. Thailand doing some sketchy shit. Um, but in two thousand seven, he reported he p- published a book. Pretty oh much it was God. an OJ book. Like, if I had done it, this, this is what, is
1: what would have happened. Exactly. It
0: wasn't like that, but it was like him, like, oh, I see this uh, as an opportunity to, to clear my name. And, and wasn't it called Murder Made Me Famous or something? Something like that. I don't really know. But there was no more leads until 2007 in November where actually him and the brothers were all rearrested. So they were rearrested for suspicion of involvement in voluntary manslaughter, causing serious bodily harm. Um, but again, that same day... They were released without charge it's like why arrest them if you don't know you know yeah good lawyers i always kind of attribute it to a good lawyer and obviously he had the best fucking lawyer because his dad was was the judge? judge and his uncle or godfather whatever was the chief of that's police. like an uncle by choice you know like yeah it's like it's, an, it's a it's like if auntie Catherine was the the chief of police and i was like oh i didn't she didn't do it like it's <laughs> like no one's gonna believe you so in 2007 of november in november of 2007 so i said that backwards um there was a boat search where in a crab trap they found a piece of fabric basically this poor family because it keeps they don't know where she is and it keeps coming up every couple years and every time like they've i've seen
1: that they have looked everywhere, Everywhere. like they've dredged swamps and ponds and done searches, and every single time they've done this, the media frenzy that whips up must be just so terrible for the family because they'll say, like, Nancy Grace will be like, Today, they're dredging the pond on the South (laughs) Island, and we're probably going to find Natalie today. And, like, like, that... Imagine living through that when your baby is missing for that long of a time. Like, that's terrible. And they never have found her.
0: No. And in December of 2007, um, the Aruban prosecutors announced that they would just close the case without charging anyone with a crime. Oh, that has to be heartbreaking, Maddening, yeah. But in 2008, an undercover operation organized by crime reporter Peter DeVries showed a video of Yoren... Admitting to being there when Natalie died. Oh, he said that, that there actually. was some GHB in her drink and then um, she basically had OD'd and they were making out and all of a sudden she started foaming at, th- which honestly I think that this is probably what happened. I mean, who knows? But if you're going around drugging girls, you don't know, like, do they have a heart problem? And like you said, they like, have... we've
1: both heard, like, GHB is a fine line. Like, there's no exactly. way to measure the effect that it's going to have on each individual's body. No.
0: And you don't know how much someone's pouring in there or putting in there or whatever, right? So there was a video of him saying that she um, overdosed. He called a friend. They threw her body into the ocean. So we know, you remember Baby Beach? Yeah. So there's, it's like under a reef, there's like a big undertow. And locals know that they don't even go over there because it's like you pretty much will get sucked under and never found again. Because there's a lot of – it's, a, it's we tropical. Went we went We went <laughs> there. We went scuba diving <laughs> we there. We fed some fish. Yeah. So they, he said that. But then it's like, okay, he's just admitting this stuff on camera. Undercover camera. But then he says, no, I just told him what he wanted to hear. He always gets out of it somehow. This
1: slimy so motherfucker? He is.
0: is. November tw- 2008, Fox News <laughs> – Aired an interview with him where he said that he actually sold Natalie into sexual slavery. (laughs) He literally sat down and did an interview like that. It's like, who? Anyway, wasn't true. He was also just saying there, I think at this time, because you have to think, he's marked by this. Right, so his whole life is he's your and man. Everyone knows who he is.
1: Well, and he liked that. I mean, he kind of yeah. seemed to got. Well, like, he played it. it. Yeah. He pl- he played into what people thought about him. And sick people like were attracted to him because yeah, of but that. But that's
0: always what Ugh. we see. So in 2009, there was a Lifetime movie release called Natalie Holloway, which was based on her mom's uh, book. And um, meanwhile, Joran was in Thailand and he was gambling, partying, and apparently he was also being investigated for selling girls into sex slavery. So, you know, it kind of makes you think, like, is Natalie a lot? But who knows, right? So in February of 2010, Paulus Vandersloot, the dad of Joran, passes away. Um, he had a heart attack while he was playing tennis. And Jorin returns to Aruba, um, basically to be with his mother and um his mother said that he had like severe mental health problems because you have to think what's not good for mental health probably partying and doing your body weight and drugs and alcohol (laughs) for years right trying to kind of because like i said if if he really was just there he was doing nefarious shit with girls and and drugging them but i don't again i don't know who knows was his intent to kill this girl did he get caught up, and then now it's like now I'm gonna play the role of this villain? Yeah. Um, there Something was talk. To think about. There was talk that his father actually was one of the people. He, basically, <clears throat> what happens, and this comes out later because um, when he returned in 2010 to Aruba, he met this man named John Ludwig, and he comes back too, and they became really good friends. So I'll come back to John Ludwig in a minute. But so in uh, March of 2010, Vandersloot contacted. Uh, John Q. Kelly, who was Beth Holloway's legal representative, and said, I will give you the location of Natalie's body and the circumstances of what happened to her for an advance of $25,000, but in total, I want $250,000. Oh, my God. you have to think how... I would pay a bajillion dollars for anything like that. You know, God forbid that ever happened, but you would give everything to know what happened, even if you never find a body to just know what happened, which who knows with this fucking guy obviously, but so in um May, on May 10th, Vandersloot accepted the sum of fifteen thousand dollars by wire transfer. Oh she gave it. She did because she's yeah, she's that's so she's desperate. So um it got deposited to his account in the Netherlands and he was pretty much videotaped by undercover investigators in Aruba. And Vandersloot told Kelly that his father buried Holloway's remain in house under this foundation. Um, and then they later found out that wasn't true because the house wasn't even built at that time. So guess who's being uh, extradited and charged with extortion and wire fraud? You're in Vandersloot because like you don't think you can victimize this family enough. Like leave the fucking Holloway's alone. Yeah. So. Where did he go? He fled. And where do most people flee to? South America. We know Carmen San Diego. There you go. I was (laughs) thinking the Nazis, but yeah, you're right. Carmen San Diego probably (laughs) did flee to South America. Where did you go when you ran away? South 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 America. America. (laughs) So going back to now we know he is in Colombia first. This is May 2010. And we know what happened on May 30th, yeah, May 30th of 2010. So, after the police obtained footage of Joran with
1: um, Stephanie, Stephanie,
0: they see footage of him actually, both of them leaving that casino, going to his hotel, um, walking in to the hotel. This was creepy. Like, the the footage was everywhere, and it was so creepy. So, you see them walk in, and then you see him leave hours later, go out. um, By himself. By himself, but he comes back with two coffees and which is like bread yeah <laughs> so he comes back in and then you see like a couple hours after that him leaving by himself and he never comes back so he fled obviously so now they know that they're on the the lookout for him but um, Stephanie's car was actually found near the hotel abandoned and it had no money in it which her family said she always kept money in it well she won $10,000 yeah there were all her cards her credit cards everything her her watch her ID her jewelry everything was missing um, and there was GHB in the car. So they don't know because, again, some people voluntarily do that. So they yeah. don't know and you can't say. That's something they can't prove. Right. That's something that they can't prove. But um, they basically said he's on the run and they tracked him down in Chile. Hello. Comes back to Chile. So he made his way to, down to Chile. And Everything comes back to Chile eventually. It does. So he. Yeah, so basically they find him in Chile. He has all these naval maps. He had a laptop. He had foreign currency. Like, he was pretty much planning to run and never be found again. He had dyed his hair this ugly. Remember, like, that orangey, brassy color? Sun-in, for those of you that are old. (laughs) Sun-in, there you go. Remember one time I squeezed a lemon in my hair and went a super weird color. So, um As soon as they arrested him, an interrogation took place. And he claimed, I'm innocent, I'm innocent. And he actually, because Peru has leniency laws against crimes committed under... um, An act of passion. Act of passion or while you're intoxicated. Oh. Which is probably because all the South Americans are like me when they drink. And they all do stuff when they're... I mean, I don't know. Sorry, South Americans. I am half. But... I don't drink. I haven't drank. Danica for doesn't years. drink anymore because of what she turns into when she drinks. Because I would. I've probably talked about this before, but um, yeah, I'm pretty green, if you know what I mean. I do not do that because I don't know what I do when I drink and it's not always nice. And the next day when you wake up, it's like, oh, imagine if I woke up and I killed when somebody. your whole family is like abused when you wake <laughs> up, and all my friends. And, yeah. Yeah. So it just wasn't for me. Um, I wasn't wasn't uh, for any of us. It wasn't. So everyone <laughs> is very happy that I don't drink. But I can understand doing something and maybe this is kind of I mean, I don't know. I obviously can understand when people don't remember n- remember what they're doing, right? So he pretty much said that cuz he did then admit it. He said, "I went to um, get us some bread and some coffees and I came back and she was going through my laptop and Um, She asked me if I was involved in Natalie Holloway. I got an instant message calling me. I think he said someone called him a mongoloid or something like that. Anyway, and she hit him and he lost it. He beat beat her up, beat her to death. Um, He said then he tried to strangle her to make sure she was dead and he fled. So the thing is to... there was a slight trace of amphetamines in her system. Like maybe they got some Coke and they were just partying because actually she was, she was, she identified as a lesbian. Like she doesn't even, she didn't even like guys. And he's not
1: anything to look no, at.
0: No, no. So a trial finally started on June 11th and lasted until, um, or well, it started and, and ended on January 11th, 2012. Mm-hmm. So he was found guilty of murder And judges there, there's three judges that come to the decision, not a jury. So all three judges found him guilty. He was sentenced to 28 years of imprisonment in a Peruvian maximum security prison and has to pay the family $75,000. Coincidentally, in Alabama, just the next day on January 12th, 2012, a judge declared Natalie deceased. Um, But anyway, in 2017, I think it was 2017, John Ludwig, who we talked about, he came, he was staying with this guy named Gabriel, this, I don't know, it's still weird. There was a special on it. And and I watched it thinking like, oh my God, they're going to find Natalie Holloway. And then I was like, how could I have not seen this already? Yeah. Anyway, John Ludwig, long story short, he said, I met Joran when he came back to Aruba in 2010, which we know is true. Um, he told me, we, we got really close and one day we were watching the Natalie Holloway movie. <laughs> Why the fuck would you watch that with... Joran van This guy was really fucking crazy. So he says, um, we were watching it, and Joran was saying to me, like, oh, that's true, that's true. Oh, that's bullshit. Oh, that's, this is how it really happened. He said he put in, um, he got the bartender. If you order a certain drink, which I've heard this before, they'll put G in it. So he did that. They were making out on the beach. She started foaming at the mouth. Um, he called his dad, and his dad came said, we will never talk to anyone about this again. I'll deal with it. And it was never brought up. And, and then obviously we know what transpired after. But then he said when his dad died, because that's why he was back in Aruba, he said to John Ludwig, because I think he knew this guy was fucking crazy, but I don't even know if this happened. I don't think it did, but who knows. I will give you $1,500. Probably <laughs> I would ask for more. Yeah. Um, if you go and I'll tell you the where my dad buried her, but can you go move her body and cremate her and spread her ashes? Anyway, so does he say he did it? He says that he did it, yeah. And then he even says it to the police. Everything, he gives them these bones. They test the bones. It's animal bones. It's just like this whole special for no reason. And this poor man, the poor father is like it's just so emotional obviously right just like the mother and the father they're both just looking for answers
1: that's the thing like to get this dredged up over and over and over with all these conspiracy theories and then the media shows back up at your house and then yeah. all so of this shit gets reignited crazy. anyway when John
0: Ludwig was actually murdered because he was trying to kidnap a girl he was stalking and she got oh. the knife away from him and stabbed him to death oh, so well. he probably was if you <laughs> google him he's a fucking crazy motherfucker but anyway so in March of 2014 the Peruvian government announced that vandersloot would face extradition to the u.s. in the year 2038 to face his charges of extortion and wire fraud after completion of his 28-year sentence in peru for the murder of stephanie flores Um, i look forward to that day me too uh he got married to some lady that sold stuff in jail um yeah like a co-ed jail no she went in there to sell stuff (laughs) yeah like and she looks like someone you would believe to go into a jail and sell stuff in peru um Use I'm just your imagination. To picture that. Um, but in February of twenty sixteen, which this is the most recent thing that has happened, um, there's an undercover reporter, all these fucking undercover 2016. people. Twenty sixteen. Huh. Um, an undercover reporter filmed Vandersloot confessing to Natalie's murder. In jail? Yes, with his wife sitting right beside him. Um, the film shows him in Dutch laughing about how he never told the truth ever. Kind like how I laugh laughing earlier um, about the whole event and that he did in fact kill her and his wife just sat there and yeah it's really sad because it never never brought anything up and his the mom beth and i think the dad is obviously probably still holds out hope because she's never been found but the mom still continues to search for her
1: yeah the mom goes back there a lot actually yes she said that she feels like she feels like she should connect it because that's where her daughter is. she says yeah
0: i i don't feel unsafe here because i know this is where natalie is oh i know so heartbreaking so i know really don't look at me sorry no (laughs) don't make me cry but anyway so that was the case yeah that's Um, pretty
1: pretty crazy and terrible i mean i don't know if we
0: believe did he intentionally go and sought out a victim and look for stephanie and you know, and Stephanie looked like she kind of was like, oh, you know, she could like hold her own. And so, yeah. I mean, part of me thinks that he was just in duress because he'd been well, fucking up all, like all these years he'd been. And the
1: crazy thing is, is that it was on the same day.
0: That's why it was, fu- that's why it's crazy. That's the crazy part where it's like, okay. I mean, it's all fucking crazy. But it is. It's pretty <laughs> but, fucking extra crazy. Yeah, but it is like, did he go into this with intent? I'm going to murder this girl on the same day, on the same, you know? Yeah, we we'll know. Because he's like a twisted psycho or it's like, did he fall into this villain character? Because plus, you have to think his dad died a couple months before, and it, you know, and it's like maybe you—you uh, really learn about psychology when you go through some shit. So, in the last yeah. couple of years, I've really learned like people are just a product of what they're going through and their environment and their trauma. I don't know if I've said that before, but ah, <laughs> <laughs> no, never, I've never but heard. Yeah. It. So that was episode thirty-nine. Good job, Danika. So yeah. So
1: yeah, we will. Uh, see you guys in a couple in a couple weeks. weeks
0: and then i think after episode 40 we're probably gonna go every two weeks yep
1: we're gonna try to so sure.
0: again reach out reach out to us reach out to us on all of our socials you guys can even email
1: us um, and remember to watch youtube if you're yeah. just listening to us right now because murder with my mother podcast on youtube is where you'll be able to see, see our us. fucking rad faces
0: there you go and mom look you look fucking beautiful for being hung over today I just you oh, to look beautiful but, but i'm not hungover. that's the whole point i know yeah there you go well that's a mind trick so
1: okay well we'll see you guys yeah. later like
0: always this has been murder with my mother and uh well, how do i even end this <laughs> <laughs> I maybe <mean>, i'm hungover. <laughs> just kidding but yeah so this has been murder with my mother um we look forward to seeing you guys next time and thanks next time. for watching and yeah. listening <laughs> we love you guys bye, bye. Thank you.